Welcome back to Asbury Pod. We took a little unplanned break earlier this month. We are glad to be back. This week, we welcome artists George Bates and Courtney Pasterchik. George and Courtney recently completed works for the 13 Artist Mural Project here in Asbury Park, one of the public art initiatives which, together with the Wooden Walls Project on the Boardwalk and other endeavors, has made Asbury Park the public art juggernaut it is today, with plenty more to come. We talked to Courtney and George about the role of public art, the business of art, and the training, commitment, and practice required to become a successful artist. Hint, it's a lot. Welcome, Courtney and George. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. Route 35 to Convention Hall. Asbury Pod covers it all. Asbury Pod, I love you. I love you. It's July 11th. I want to welcome um, everybody back to Asbury Pod because we've taken, I wish I could be like this was an organized break. But we just, we did our last podcast that I'm going to, I have to give a shout out to Kiki and Jimmy who... Mm -hmm. People have quite literally stopped me in the streets to talk about that podcast. These were two. This was a clerk and a deputy mayor who truly changed the face of gay rights. And they're like, yeah, we thought when you think of the gay rights movement, you think of like Edie Windsor or these people who had these Supreme Court cases that resulted in marriage equality or, you know, you can't fire people because they're gay or, you know, these massive, massive cases. Right. Like with these people who just took it to the mat, to the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm not even saying Supreme Court of New Jersey. And then you have these people like Jimmy and Kiki who are like. You know, we don't think it's right. We're just going to fucking marry some people in 2005 and we're going to see what happens. And a lot happened. And they were threatened with a lot of shit, but like their nonchalant behavior, and maybe it's because they're not gay. I don't know what it is, but their nonchalant behavior on what they did, um, people have stopped me in the street about it and just been like, it's just shocking how. Um, and I mean it in a complimentary way. I hope I'm not. I'm not. I hope I'm not saying anything that offends them. But they're like, we just we didn't think this was right, so we were just going to change it. And it's like, oh, okay, wow, well, you just changed the face of my life. So thank you. So anyway, so we did that podcast, and then I we did a break, um, a little bit of a, a vacation, and we are back now. Our break also was because we have been waiting for another artist, Hot Tea, to get on. Jen Hampton, when you're listening, still waiting for Hot Tea. 
who put the string back in the casino. And um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it certainly makes me, it brightens my day when I walk through the casino now and I see the string. No, I, lo- yeah, I love that project. Truly. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're back. It's July 11th and we have two artists and I'm going to let them do an intro, but if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to talk for a second. I, there is a list of people that if I don't thank after this podcast airs, I'm going to be getting uh, frantic texts like you didn't mention um thanking me in this project so i want to make sure i thank everybody in the esbury park mural project the first people i want to thank is the esbury park public art commission um we are a spicy commission that everybody inevitably wants to join and then comes to a meeting and is like fuck no then i want to thank uh department of public works because they put those wood panels together that you guys used and it was no small feat to get wood right now so i have to thank tommy chapman um councilman eileen chapman's husband who did an amazing job at getting us wood when nobody could get us wood and i want to thank the esbury park public arts council for helping getting this project off the ground getting us a little bit of money for either paint or to a little bit of money to pay the artist i have to thank the esbury park public arts the mammoth public the Monmouth Arts Council for giving us a small grant to pay the artist. And I have to thank Michelle Alonzo, the director of planning, who was relentless in getting this project and staying on top of us and keeping us on time. Um, what people don't know about the Public Art Commission is one, it's like a super dedicated group of people, but we all can go down these rabbit holes of like the color of red that will stall a project for six months because we've discussed the color of red for six months and and still not come to a reasonable compromise on what the color of red is. So, um, so that's why I want to thank Michelle Alonzo who drove us back and back and back. And, um, of course, Jen Hampton, who's the chair of the Esbury Public Art Commission. So I would love if Courtney and George could just give a little bit of intro on who you are, you know, your ties to Esbury Park. George, obviously I've known you for some time, but Courtney, you're a meeting for the first time. So So Courtney and George are both participants in the most recent mural project, right? The 13 artists that um, uh, you painted over five days. Was it to, or is it at the same time? I, you know, I get the time. We had two, but I think most of us needed <laughs> five. I mean, ideally it was to be done over the weekend. And uh, I remember Jen coming up. She's like, you know, you can paint the bottom too. And I'm like, Jen, I'm going to be lucky if I paint the top in two days. So yeah, I, I wound up, I think to, in total, maybe five. Courtney, what did you yeah. clock in? I think I was three. And then I came back the last day just to like clear it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Or and and also we and we'll get to this, but George, you have to talk. It's actually fourteen murals. It's thirteen artists, yeah. and then George worked with the Asbury Park Boys and Girls Club for the fourteenth mural, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. But yeah. tell us who you guys are. I guess I can go first. Yeah. Um, so I'm Courtney. Um, I currently live in Tampa. Um, I just graduated from the University of Tampa uh, this past May. I have a BFA with a concentration in painting. So I studied figure painting um, with oil, uh, acrylic, spray paint, um, and I do use some experimental materials as well. Um, I normally work on canvas, and that's how I've learned art. But 
I do work for a mural artist here in Tampa. So I'm her assistant. I've been her assistant for about two years now. And she taught me everything I know about mural work. And I never thought I would be into it until I met her. And she taught me literally everything, how to pack for a mural, how to prep for a mural, designing a mural. Um, And it is really intimidating, but once you like know all the tricks, then it becomes super easy, I guess. So I just I'm going to add on to that, Courtney, too, because when we, when we did when we did this mural project and we did a mural project a couple of years ago on 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 City Hall, I don't think artists. Well, and and you guys can speak to this. I if you've never done a mural, you're in for a yeah. exciting treat, and that's my kind way of saying it because yeah. we we have we have had artists propose things and then get to the site and not have a clue on you know, it's deteriorating and you have to work with that or, you know, so, so I love what you said about murals because at least in my experience um, in the, on the public art commission, we get people all the time who are ill prepared and we did a mural on Cookman Ave and we had a number of submissions of people who've never done a mural. And when we talked it through with them, they clearly were not up on what it would take to get a mural off the ground. Right. So, I mean, I didn't start as a mural artist at all. Like I do work on a decent size on canvas, but I never thought of painting on walls ever until I started working for her and kind of got this like internship assistantship with her. Um, So yeah, she taught me everything I knew. And then I kind of fell in love with murals and um, did a few on my own in Tampa. And I guess my ties to Asbury Park, I'm from Wall Township. So I grew up, graduated from Wall High School and I mean, I grew up by Asbury Park. I I grew up like seeing the murals and going to the beach over there. And it was just like a huge part of my childhood. So um, one of my friends actually sent me the application. She was like, you should do this. And I'm like, maybe I'll just, I'll just throw a design in there. And if they like it, they like it. And it'll give me a chance to fly home and see my family. And I ended up like getting accepted, which is amazing. And my parents got to see like what I do for a living now. And it was just a really great experience. So yeah, that's a little but bit. I, I'd say you, cr- you, you crushed it for, you know, if this is sort of just dipping your toe into this, good job. Cause I was saying before we started recording that, uh, and George, before you joined on that, uh, just randomly before I knew you were in, that you were both going to be guests on the po- podcast, both of your uh, pieces were the pieces I, that stand out in my head walking around. So randomly, you know, both Courtney's piece and George, I was eating ice cream in front of yours just the other, <laughs> the other day. Oh, nice. Really you just love both of these pieces. And so, um, so Courtney, this, if this is your first foray into like, you know, applying and, and you know, um, uh, and putting yourself out there really post-graduation, great job, you know? Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done a lot in Tampa um, on my own to try to get out here in this city, but I mean, I I still wanted to make a presence in my hometown. Like everyone from high school will follow my art account and be like, you're doing such cool things, but they don't actually get to like see my artwork and see my process. So it was cool to go home and be able to share that with everyone from my hometown, my family, all my aunts and uncles came out. They were like holding up their cameras, posting on Facebook. They were so excited. So it was a really great experience. And I met so many cool people um, that appreciate the art in Asbury. Um, taking, I still have people taking pictures with it and tagging me on Instagram. And 
it's just really great. It, it warms my heart. So I'm, I'm really glad to do this, especially like post-graduation, um, still trying to get my foot in the door to be like a professional artist. Um, I don't know, I guess what defines that, but I'm just trying to make a living being a full-time artist right out of college. I'm, I just turned 22. So <laughs> starting early, but I don't know. It's been, it's been a great ride so far. <laughs> Amy, you're muted. <laughs> I forgot that. No, I think the full-time artist, like working as a full-time artist is something I, I would love to hear George's take on as well. Uh, you know, just because you've been in the game, you know, yeah. a minute. Yeah. So tell yeah. us, George, give us an intro on you and, and some of the work you've done already in Asbury Park. Oh, there's long story. There's short story. Hopefully I'll land somewhere in the middle. Um, <laughs> uh, born in Newark and uh, raised in Brick. Um, left in 86. I was like, I will never live in New Jersey again. Went <laughs> off to Parsons. Um, loved New York in the 80s. It was, it was an absolute playground. Um, graduated in 1990. Uh, never had a job. Just became... I was in the uh, Parsons illustration program. And it was really wild because New York at the time, there was this push to just be incredibly experimental. And it was hardly a commercial art program. It was like drawn sand and like drawn trash. Like whenever <laughs> I drew anything good, my teachers were like, who cares? So then I'd like draw <laughs> on trash and they'd be like, this is awesome. Like there was all this discussion of postmodernism and like with a club scene and the, you know, the fringe of culture stuff was really exciting. Um, so I got out of school and almost immediately started working as an illustrator, but always had like these sketchbooks. And I would bring my work up to, uh, to, you know, major magazines and stuff. And they'd be like, we love this stuff. But we have no idea what it is. This is kind of like an outgrowth of the program that I was in. And so I kept like putting these sketchbooks in things. And then eventually people would hire me to uh, like buy things right out of the sketchbooks. But how I became a public artist, it was really this weird thing. Um, the, creative director at the MTA typed in Brooklyn surfer artist. And my name came up off of this website where it had some of my surf sketchbook art out of England. Like, and uh, he's like, yeah, I think you'd be a really good public artist. You should apply for this thing. I'm like, well, public art, I don't know anything about it. And I didn't get that first commission, but the committee was divided between my piece and another artist piece. And in the end, they voted for this other artist because it was it was much more public art. Mine was too much a, a sort of like personal sort of like ode to the area and everything. But he said, you know, he goes, if we would have chosen your piece, it would have been the most contemporary looking piece we have in our collection. So then a year later, he's like, oh, this other thing came up. You don't have to apply. And uh, you're a finalist. So this time I knew that it needed to be more public art, whatever that meant. So I had this image in this sketchbook and I was like, you know what? I think this would be a really cool public art piece. So I scanned the piece. This time I took maybe about a half hour, 20 minutes, put the proposal together. And they were like, it was unanimous. You got it. They flew me out to Germany to kind of oversee the project. Then they installed it in Rockaway. And while I was in Germany, the Germans were like, wow, you'd be a really good public artist because you're from the illustration world and you're dealing, to put it bluntly, you're used to dealing with a lot of bullshit, like a lot of committees, a lot of people pushing back against your ideas. 
Whereas a lot of artists are like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. You know, I won't take any sort of direction. He's like, your whole career has been about taking direction in some way. So I was like, well, how do I find public art? And he said, well, in the United States, 1% of every large scale infrastructure project has to go to arts. And there's all these sites like um, Cafe Call to Artists where you can start applying. So I started doing that. And, you know, Courtney, like the thing is that like once you build that trust, you get in more rarefied air. Like I was on this one project and I had the entire contract. What is, about, George, what is rarefied air? Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. What do you mean well, well you I'll tell you. So, so one of the first projects that I got entirely on my own, the, the entire budget was maybe like 300,000 and I was responsible for everything. I had the contract. So out of like maybe 400 artists, they winnowed it down to three. I gave my presentation. I got the contract. But I, I really trusted my fabricator. And they're like, if you ever get a big commission alone, we'll help you navigate all the legalese. I had a really good art lawyer. And so I, I did this project and we installed um, 24 windscreens within this transit system out in, 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 uh, in Colorado. And after I was kind of giving the sort of like salutations and speeches and everything, and the mayor introduces you, these two guys came up to me and they're like, wait a minute, you're one guy. And I'm like, yeah, why? What's your shop? And they're like, we're like 35 people or 25 people. Like, how did you pull this off as one guy? And this is what I tell everyone who's interested in this stuff is like, you have to trust your fabricator. Like it's a team sort of effort and everything. But that's the thing. It's like, so, so that's what I mean. Like once you get a project on your own, like the first project was maybe the total budget was like 115,000, then like 130,000, then 300,000. Now I'm working on projects like 400,000. But at the same time, it's just like, I really believe that the only value of art is what it makes you think or feel like the numbers. It doesn't matter. It's just like, can you build the trust to execute it? And that was the thing about like the Asbury call. Like I was like, oh, this is just something I just want to do. And if it happens, if the committee decides that like, oh, you know, you get to do this thing, you get to do this thing. And it's back to this like one guy, you know, gal, just like alone in the elements with the paint. You know, it's really fun to get away from, you know, these large scale public art projects. They take years, years. Like I'm working on a project now. It's maybe been six years in the works and, and we're not even to fabrication yet. So that's the thing. It's just like. Can I tell you one thing that yeah. I constantly get, George, related to public art and, and, and this project as well. So, and Jen Hampton, I'll tell you the same thing. Jen and I braced our someone somewhere has a problem with art, right? Somebody somewhere is going to have a problem. So Jen and I, we do this project, right? We keep it like next to no money because we get grants from Monmouth Arts and DPW builds this builds the wood, you know, concrete thing. And, and uh, Monmouth, Monmouth Arts does, uh, it pays you guys like a little stipend, not much. Um, and then we pay for our, we pay for the paint, something like that, like very, but somebody somewhere is going to say, the $3,000 out of our $50 million budget, which so, so very, very, very tiny bit to beautify the city, should not go to paint. It should go to insert whatever it should go to, right? Whatever. It doesn't even matter what it is, but somebody somewhere in town has a problem with that. So what I find repeatedly, George, and Courtney, just so you're aware in the future, is I have to, one, 
brace myself for the backlash on whatever art project we're going to do. I got a ton of backlash for the mural on city hall. Um, and then, um, take it down to the tiniest amount of taxpayers money in reference to the budget. Like if you get a hundred thousand dollars, they probably have a big budget so they can excuse whatever. But when you have an Asbury park budget, you have to keep it very, very small. Cause whatever we have high property taxes, like insert whatever the issue is. So, so that for me as somebody who really views art as, as, as to be as blunt as possible, saving their lives as a, as a teenager, um, I have to, there's so much preparation when we put on an art project, both physically to get myself ready for the backlash. And then how am I going to get all this money from all these other pots? So I'm not using taxpayer money. I think, yeah, yeah. there's always a, there's always a Philistine out there who just hates art, regardless of the, it doesn't matter how great the project is. You know. well, or how little it costs or how little it costs, Joe, this yeah. project costs nothing. No, it, we paid for the paint. Everything else was through a grant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we talked about this, Amy, on the street, and and this is advice for you, Courtney. Like the thing that you learn, like as as a public artist coming into a committee situation, a lot of these times these are in towns I have not lived in. You know, people are like, "Who the hell is this artist coming in?" We don't. I, I before I even step in the door, people are like, we don't like this person. We don't like anything about you. We don't care what you propose. You know, my niece, she's a local artist. She can do something better. And I always say that like, I'm trying to get out of the way of the work and I don't make anything. I sort of reveal something because if you make any piece of art, that's any good, anyone who sees it, who responds to the aesthetics, they take this sort of ownership and you're not, you're not like making anything like, oh, it's an expression of my feelings or my emotions, whatever. It's, it resonates on this larger level. And if it can do that, I think then you win the hearts and minds of the assholes. And there's always like an asshole in every room you walk into. And my whole tactic has been <laughs> walk in that room and address that asshole. And, you know, so many people have come up to me afterwards and like, we didn't like you. We didn't know anything about you. But wow, you really, you really addressed my concerns. And that's the thing is like, you know, Courtney, you mentioned it. I was down the street from you, but all day, you know, every day that I was out there painting, people were coming up and they were gushing about how this is what they love about Asbury Park. This is what they love about this town. Everywhere they look, they see something quirky and cool and, you know, exciting. And they're coming from Nalapin, you know, or they're coming from, you know, you know, way down south. And they're just like, that's what we love about this town. And it was funny because, like, I, I love winter, summer, spring is not my, my time. So I was reading um, uh, a Christmas Carol and I just finished and everything. <laughs> and I'm painting the mural and everybody's walking around. And it was like, it's Christmas day, sir. Like, oh, just everybody was just so incredibly happy and just gushing about what we were doing. And in the aftermath, you know, like you said, Courtney, it's just like people are posting, like, it's going to be this kind of day. And they're standing in front of your mural. It's just really, that's what it's about. You know, those moments of thoughtful reflection within aesthetics that like you mentioned, Amy, it's just like as a, as a kid and a teenager, you know, all of us were affected by this stuff, but to see adults just coming up to you and gushing about it, that's what it's all about. That's the value of it. I'm going to complain one one more time, Joe, just so so what you're saying, George, I think is totally accurate, right? And 90% of this city, but 10% of this city 
is furious we spent $5,000 on paint or wood or insert and not on fixing a sidewalk or filling in a pothole or fixing a light. And so when people are like, this is what I love about Asbury, this is what I love about Asbury, 90% of Asbury loves it as well. But know that there is a very vocal 10% that is emailing me or Jen, calling me Mm -hmm. and Jen and talking about their money could be better spent (laughs) elsewhere. But I do want to go to Courtney because I want you to talk a little bit about your inspiration because you submitted, so the Public Art Commission had two projects. We had the mural scaffolding that Jen somehow, um, I don't know, got this person to give it to us and, and let us paint it. And then the mural project was something that took us a few months to kind of figure out. And just so other people know, that project was, we tried to do in April and May of 2020 at the pandemic, but you couldn't find wood. So mm-hmm. we couldn't get wood anywhere. So that project just died out at the at the beginning of the pandemic. And then obviously we were able to revitalize it uh, in 2021, but it died in, in 2020 because there was no ability to get wood. But Courtney, I feel like you applied for the um, scaffolding. We loved your project. And then we're really happy that you applied. For, well, you didn't do the scaffolding. Somebody else did. But um, we loved your project when you did it, when you applied for the scaffolding. Yeah. So um, I just want to add to, um, I had so many people come up to me while I was painting and like, I had some people get emotional even like seeing my mural and and I had little girls like their moms were like do you know who that is like Ruth Bader Ginsburg like I feel like it really like touches a lot of people and everyone was like I just love Asbury for the art I mean when I think of Asbury I think of like the art and that's why people are drawn there and a lot of businesses like have murals because it brings people in and it makes people happy so um I don't know. I think it's a great project to do. I think um, the worst thing for an artist would be if you painted a mural that nobody cared about. So the fact that you're getting some negative feedback is the sense that it's pushing a button somewhere, which is, well, not, I say, not shouldn't say push a button. It's getting a reaction from somebody like a, a mural that got no reaction is probably wasn't probably very good. So the fact that you're getting Amy pushback on one hand and then Courtney like, and George people coming up and sort of really being emotional about your art means sounds to me as a, as a lay person, like, that we, we did a good job, right? Or, or, or what you had to uh, set out to accomplish in the first place. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Courtney. Sorry. I, I could I could say that, Courtney. Yeah, truly, like this idea of of how emotional people get, and like I said, the value of this stuff. Like I tell my wife that, like you know, I travel throughout the United States to work on these projects, and people get emotional. Like my life as a public artist, it is so strange because there are these really heartfelt emotional moments with people I've never met before. Like I was in a meeting and um, it was a major city and there was a presentation about rebranding the city. And I was like, okay. And I'm in the back. I'm about to give my presentation. I was like, this is a, uh, this is okay. It looks fine. So they, they ended the meeting and the art committee, you know, to your point, Amy, about all the, all the stuff that you have to deal with. The art committee is like, this is like, this is like a layup. Like, did you even try? Did you have an intern do this? This is horrible that you didn't listen to us. You don't care about us. And these, these folks were really angry. And then they looked at me and they're like, I hope you did better. And I'm like, you know what? I'm listening to you ream these people out, you know, and several million dollars were spent on this. And I was just like, yeah, I did my job. I'm fine. So I give my presentation, you know, and this is about a community that has been marginalized, you know, 
um, a lot of sensitivity to gentrification. And the guy who really lit into, you know, the presentation before he looks at me, he's like, and he starts to get really emotional. And he's just like, you listened, you actually cared. He's like, I'm seeing everything that we want to see, you know, and, and this moment of connection between humans, like, it's really something that art can deliver in this way. Yeah. And I think especially like during this time, like everything that we've gone through through 2020, like we needed this, like people needed this. Like people were telling me that they were watching me from like their windows and like getting so excited of my progress, like people that lived in Asbury park and they would like come down on the street and be like, I was just watching you. And like, I just think this is so interesting. This is so great for the city. Like this is so beautiful. Um, like, I think people needed this. Like when we're reopening like the city, people need like some positivity when they're like walking down the street and it, it makes their, it makes some people's days better to see. It makes my day better. I can tell you that unequivocally when I see art, it absolutely makes my day better. And that's why I wanted to, you know, Courtney talk a little bit about your piece. Cause it's also, you know, a bit of commentary on, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and women empowerment. So take us through your, your process with that piece. So, um, after RBG passed away, um, I was obviously upset at the time, but I, I still wanted to make like a design that, um, like remembered what she had accomplished for women, like during her lifetime. So I still wanted to make it like a positive design. Um, And I just was laying down my bed and I just made this design on Illustrator and just kind of saved it on my laptop for a while. And then um, I was sent this mural project and I have, I always have like a few um, designs saved on my laptop, but I was so excited and I wanted to paint this somewhere. I was like, I need to find a wall to paint this mural because I'm so excited about this design. So I sent it in like a few times and they were saying about like the scaffolding um, project. I, I think I sent it in um, like a horizontal design and then they were like, oh, we actually need it vertical. And so I made a vertical design and I sent it in. And then, and then like they picked another artist for that scaffolding project. And then for this one, they're like, you should still apply for this project, but we actually needed it in a square. So then I changed the design like multiple times, <laughs> but it was the same thing. I'm like, I'm not sending a new design. I really want to paint this. But um, they were really excited about it. So they were like, no, we love your design. Just like you need to change the format like three times. But <laughs> um, I was still so excited about it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to like commemorate um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and just like women empowerment in general. I had so many people walk down the street and like feel empowered. I have women like standing in front of it like this and taking pictures and like that makes me feel so good. Um, so it, it was really such a pleasure to like do this mural project with such talented artists um, and, and meeting everyone, meeting people I didn't know ever like on the streets that were touched by by my artwork but yeah I was really just inspired by um what RBG did in her lifetime and how it like affected me and how it affected other women and wanted to portray that through my art and I think I accomplished that <laughs> but yeah and that's what I, yeah yeah no, please no I was just gonna say it was just a, a really great experience and um 
Yeah, that was it. Go on. And, and, you know, and that's the thing is like, it, I, I didn't have a chance to walk up and down the street, but I saw what was happening, you know, uh, with the murals. And that's the thing. People were get, just taking pictures and like can, some people were just doing it. And some people were like, can, can we take pictures? I'm like, of course, that's what it's here for. You know, the, one of my favorite moments, I was putting the clear coat on and this one guy, he came up to me and he was deaf and he was a bear and he had a, he had a rose. And he was trying to communicate to me his own interpretation of what he was seeing. And, you know, he's using text and everything and, and he's speaking as much as he can, but he's pointing to the, and he's like, he's like, these individuals in your portrait, they're gay. These others are not gay. You know, mm -hmm. this is what we got from the, and then he puts the rose behind his ear, but there was a thorn in it. So he kind of screamed. And then, uh, and then he handed me the camera and he's like, take a picture. And he's like, thank you. And then just left. But it was that, that sort of thing. And that's what I mean. Um, I don't know what your experience was, Courtney, but like people were just like, how long are they going to be up for? And I was talking to Malcolm. I'm like, how? I don't even know. I don't know anything. And he's like, well, maybe till September. And then someone suggested like, well, when can we buy them? We're like, oh, geez, so, you know, maybe have an auction or something at the end of it. But and then put that money into doing it again. Cause people are like, are they going to do it again? Are they going to do it again? And, you know, I said to Malcolm, I said, I, I know what goes on behind the scenes and it is not easy to pull off the tiniest bit, but just like everything that was happening up and down the street, all of this engagement, you know, is just important because that's the thing is like, it, it's, it's part of this dialogue and sure, you know, the money could go to, to so many other arenas, but that's the thing about, like I said, like these large scale public art projects is that 1% of like a $7 million project is like nothing, you know, it really isn't a lot. And that's the thing is like, I don't know, are you applying to a whole bunch of different ones, Courtney, throughout um, the States? Yeah. So I actually helped with the Shine Mural Festival in St. Petersburg last year, which was oh, like a sweet experience. Um, it wasn't like my design, but my friend from college, it was her design and um, I kind of just helped assist her. But that, that was a really fun experience. And then, um, I, I mean, I, I do a lot of like art shows like with my art on like canvas and panel, but um, mural festivals is something that I'm trying to get like more into. So um, I just I just applying to some around here. Um, I want to apply to more in New Jersey because that was like a really great experience i was saying like i originally wanted to do it on the scaffolding I, I don't know if they said that was like a permanent one like i really liked the idea of like the permanent mural um like leaving my mark in asbury um because people were like like you said like can we buy this um how do we mm -hmm. like is it how long is this going to stay is this going to stay right here is it going to go on the boardwalk like i feel like um people love them so much like i wish they were permanent or semi-permanent, um, not just for the summer. Um, Can I just yeah. say one thing like in reference to that? So here's the problem that you have, again, just putting kind of the deputy mayor hat on, is walls for these permanent projects like 
um, there isn't an, there may look like it, an abundance of blank walls, but we don't own any of those buildings and those landlords don't want to give us their wall. So one of the reasons we did the mural on city hall was because we had control of that wall, right? We could, we, 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 you know, you can put whatever you want up on that wall. The city owns it. But one of the problems that we consistently have is finding space for these kind of public art projects, which is why we had to build the, um, you know, the, the slabs that you eventually use. But I love the conversation about doing it again. I think, you know, the entire commission wants to do it again. And I love, you know, let me also say this, we're, I'm always open to like how to do it better, right? I, I hate the, to me, the worst part is to complete a project. And then people tell me um, everything that they wanted to tell me prior to completing it. You know, so I'm always like, if, you know, we could do this better, we could do this better. And then next year, implement how to do it better, including, you know, either making prints and selling them or, or, or whatever that is. Um, the, the one other thing I was going to say is, you know, people talk about music in Asbury Park and, and music is absolutely probably, you know, huge for Asbury Park. And, and, and we thank all of the musicians, um, Nicole Adkins, just everybody who, who comes here and really brings it back. But um, the most Instagrammable, uh, uh, when you see the hashtag Asbury Park on Instagram, it, it, I haven't checked recently, but last time I checked, you know, is Wooden Walls, which is a, a credit to Jen Hampton and Angie. You know, that is what people take pictures of, not, not the pony, not a show, not even the beach. It's the murals of wooden walls, or at least it was about six to eight months ago. That was the number one thing when I searched to see what people were saying about Asbury Park. It was a wooden walls project. So that's, so sometimes I feel like art gets lost to music and, and there's enough room for both to be amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't think people have a concept of how imp important visual art is um, to communities and to, to, to visitors coming. I wanted to, Amy, you want to follow up on that and ask a question, a follow-up question for both people. You know, uh, is it too expensive to become an artist, a trained artist? Because, you know, is it, there's a lot of barriers to honing the skill to learning how to be an artist, right? So, you know, Courtney, you had a travel to Tampa for a BFA program. I mean, it's a, I don't know if this is a question, maybe just an observation that you know, did you receive uh, encouragement when you when you were both of you when you were younger, saying yes, this is a good idea, or is the opposite? People like, no, don't be an artist. That's a, you know, it's right. I'm sorry. I think maybe yeah. What do you, Courtney, you were shaking yeah, your head. What are you gonna say? I am like pretty passionate about this. Mm. So um, my parents have always supported me, obviously. Um, but when I told them that I wanted to be an artist, they were kind of like okay, like maybe um, business or marketing or graphic design. I'm like, no, I want to paint. I want to paint. I want to be a painting major. They're like, okay. But <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I've, I've been knocked down a bunch. Like I'm sure George can relate. People are like, that's not a real job. You got to get a real job, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it is a real job. And I've met plenty of artists here in Tampa, in New Jersey, um, in LA that make it a real job for them and are more successful than people with nine to fives. So it's just how much, um, passion you have for it and, and making it happen. Um, it is an expensive profession. Um, for me, like going to university of Tampa, 
I got um, like the highest art scholarship that they give out to students. So that honestly really helped me in my decision and where to go. Um, but then when you're actually in the program, then they make you buy all of your own materials. They really set you up for the real world because they're like, to the point where you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and have to buy your own wood and build your own panels. They teach you all about building your own stuff. So I would rent like a truck and go pick up a bunch of wood and have to build my own panels. And then that adds up and you didn't even put paint to, to canvas yet. So it's definitely a very expensive profession. Paints are expensive. Um, the panels and canvases are expensive and the time that people put into it, but it's, it's a passion that you have for it and, and making that passion like come to life. So I, I, I certainly think people can make a living of it. I know a lot of artists who are so contrary to like the lines will don't major in that. Cause I'm thinking every business hires an artist for their design somewhere along the way. Like, so not just fine art, there's practical arts, you know, George, you're an illustrator. I believe I've seen, you know, uh, um, some of your um, illustrations before I met you in some of the publications that you've worked in. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, art is everywhere and it's not, it's not isolated to sort of this private uh, thing that people indulge in, but it's part of the everyday business world we live in. There's, uh, um, I, I teach it. And in my final lecture, I have this lecture called the values of art school are not the values of the marketplace. And it's sort of like a journey between these two different worlds. And everyone who's a professional artist is just like, yeah, well, that statement is self-evident. And I was disinvited from a major university because they didn't want me to tell students this. And I went to my own department. I'm like, ah, you know, what I'm talking about this stuff in my classroom. They're like, yeah, this school was founded on dissent. Go for it, man. And it's one of these things where, you know, during the pandemic, like a lot of people I knew, you know, lost their jobs and had to kind of go freelance. And they're like, well, what do you, advice do you have for me? And I said, well, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I was like, you never know. Like I said, I've never had a job. I've never known what it's like to have this sort of paycheck. And I tell my students, I said, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, you're not doing it for the money. But when you start making money, it's great and it's incredible. And you really need a good accountant to kind of balance this, you know, <laughs> to write off all of your expenses and, and everything to kind of like balance what that is. But like I said, this idea of like what the marketplace is, is very different from what these values and this passion that we have. Like my friends who are fine artists who are the happiest are the ones who have a job and they have their studio practice. They show when they, when they, when they want, or they need to, and they do public art. But at the same time, I've had some friends who have become like major artists, you know, there's no tax bracket for them. It's just like, it's incredible, but that's the thing. It's just like, you never really know. And as someone who teaches it and has to talk to parents about it, I was always told like, don't do this, don't do this. But I went to art school so that I could join a band, quit art school and tour the, the world with my band, you know, not being a musician. But that's also um, my connection to Asbury Park. I was playing in this band that was really popular in the New Brunswick area in the early 90s. And we would play shows at the Fast Lane and the Pony and everything. And, um, you know, coming down here in the 90s, I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's very fun music town. But it was never really an art town. And then I met Scott Sagetsky at a gallery 
opening in Brooklyn in like the 2000s. And he's like, you got to come down to Esri Park. It's like the Brooklyn and the New Jersey Shore. And I was like, no, it's not. I was like, there's no way. So I started going down and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, this is really interesting. And then my wife and I, we started vacationing at uh, on the off season. I'd stay at the Berkeley. I had my prom there in 1986. And, um, and then eventually, like what happened was, is that I would start working on these projects, you know, throughout the United States. And every town that I went to had this weird, funky art center. And all the artists would get together in it and have group shows. And I was like, I'm having a better time in these other towns than I am in New York, whereas there's so much pressure, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, how am I going to get my work, you know, sold here, whatever. But in these other towns, there's a relaxed vibe. And I think that Asbury Park is becoming much more of an arts town. But I think that that's the one thing that I don't, it's lacking. It doesn't have one central sort of hub where artists can kind of get together these sort of art center. I mean, Pollard Gallery, um, what Jim Watt is doing and everything, um, it, it's beginning to happen. But I'll tell you a story, like a, a friend of mine who, who moved here from the West Coast, he's like, I don't know, I saw the mur murals on the boardwalk. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's a big arts town. Where are all the artists getting together? And he's like, nah, it's shenanigans. It's like there isn't one central place. But I think that's really kind of changing in this town. So the one thing I would say to, to part of that, George, is in the early 2000s, to Scott's point, and um, was so Asbury, there were very, very few businesses open. So on Cookman and even on the boardwalk, when all the pavilions were closed, there were galleries in them. So there was Apex, yeah. there was Crybaby. So you went down Cookman Ave and it was blank space, you know, abandoned building, abandoned building, abandoned building, Crybaby. Um, abandoned building, abandoned building, abandoned building, Apex or, you know, or B Gallery or whatever they were in the early 2000s. So, so I totally see why, you know, so I think if you were living here, then you could go to Frank's and then you could go to a gal or, or Sonny's, which was um, Southern Cuisine on Cookman that, that they were open in Mr. Fashion, but it was, you know, it was an interesting time in Asbury because the, the very few places that were open were, uh, galleries at that time in the in the early 2000s and then inevitably you know things changed on COVID, obviously and then the lanes I mean and that's the thing it's like all these right. sort of like I come from a place where you know nobody's going to give you you don't need permission to have fun you don't need permission to have a good time or do what you want you just do it and that was the thing is like so many um, friends bands played at the lanes and they would come back and be like we just played this space and it was amazing it was all these artists coming together but that's the thing is like as these cities kind of change and evolve you know people want the things that are coming in but they also don't want those other scenes to be pushed out but that's the one thing that that I, I think that um, like going to these other cities, like there is this one sort of funky central hub, which is really kind of interesting. And I, I guess I was talking to Jen, I guess she's looking to create um, a sort of a collective sort of artist space and gallery space, um, which would be really cool. Yeah. So um, just to chime in, I actually, um, I noticed like the same thing in, in in Asbury, how there wasn't like a central hub. Um, but I'm actually in, in St. Petersburg. I have a, I have a studio there right now. And I just think it's such a great idea that there's a bunch of different art studios all together. So I'm in a place where I can collaborate with like six other artists in this 
space Hmm. and there's a building next door that has a gallery space that they have different um, exhibiting artists every month and then they also have different studios over there and then another building next door with um, more studios in that section which is more like sculpture and they have like kilns and stuff in there and it's in the art district of St. Petersburg. So there's murals all over the walls and that's where the shine festival is. And there's just so many artists collaborating. They do every second Saturday, they have the art walk. So yesterday I was there for the art walk and everyone had their studios open and people were walking in and out and getting so excited to be in an artist space and being able to talk to the artists behind the work that they've seen before. So I think that's like a really great idea. And I wish that was something that was more um, like prominent in, in Asbury Park or like Jersey in general, because I just think the arts is so is so important in every town. It really brings so many people together and and makes them happy. And that's the thing. I, I think that the thing about like the illustration world is like when illustrators get together, nobody talks about creativity or art it's like who you working for whereas like art is just like whenever i have studio visits or i go to studio visits is what i love it's just like you can spend the whole day just talking about creativity and aesthetics and just stories and just hanging out and that dialogue creates a really interesting community yeah you know what would be what like jen and i've talked about this um and when we say jen throughout this podcast we mean jen hampton um, is to try to ex- so when when something like wooden walls is the most Instagrammable thing on Instagram more than the pony which is nationally known how do we translate that into like an economic conversation to the people telling me the five thousand dollars should go to the pothole not the mural project and you know that's always like a dialogue I'm interested in you know in in having like. So if you type in hashtag Asbury Park, you are going to see nothing but art, which is going to bring people who are looking for art, which are tons of people, right? People don't look for places that don't have potholes. People look for places that have art. So we're, you know, Jen and I are always to counter the amount of shit that we both get. We're always looking for, you know, a way to be like, look, it's $5,000 that's not going to a pothole, but it's it's brought in 30, right. To our restaurants, to our mm-hmm. small, our small businesses. But listen, we have eight minutes left because Joe and I have already gone past the 45 minutes, which we said we weren't going to do. And I have to ask a couple of questions and be briefish on the answers. Um, so I want to ask you both about your favorite artists and your favorite medium to use. That's oh, another 45 pausing. minutes. Oh. Right <laughs> okay. Sorry. Should I have asked that to start? <laughs> Well, I think just like oh, Courtney, Courtney, your range of styles, like uh, you know, is kind of as bewild- not bewildering. It's just so broad. I was looking, you know, like I said, I was stalking your Instagram last night. You start your first thing you post on Instagram was like a chalk paint uh, a sketch from high school, I think, right? Yeah, I started. And then, and then you have liquid copper mentioned as your you know, and beer as your materials as an adult. So. Um, yeah. So asking some Courtney, I think what her favorite artist is. I would think the answer is all of them. <laughs> I'm inspired by like a bunch of different artists. Um, like when I was in high school, which is when I started my art account, I I was just starting out. I was doing more watercolor, oil pastels, and then during college, we did more experimental techniques. And then, yeah, I'm using beer and spray paint together, and seeing the um, 
different reactions that come from the alcohol, no. water-based spray paint versus non-water-based spray paint, um, liquid copper and oxidizing it with um, patina solutions, blue and green. Um, and I think that's like really fun. I love artists that use different materials because um, it's, so, it's so different. But um, I have been really drawn to figure painting. I mean, that's what I studied in in college, um, live models. Um, I love realism. I think that's one thing that I'm striving for in my art career is to get more realistic with my um, bodies that I paint. And one artist that I'm, I'm really inspired by is Mike Dargas. I don't know if, if you guys have heard of him, but he does like photorealism oil paintings and his, his paintings are immaculate. Like I look at his Instagram, you guys should definitely check him out. And I'm just so inspired by what he does and even like how he runs his social media and everything. I just, I think he's just such a successful artist. Um, he's so talented and I just want to learn everything from him. So he's definitely on my radar, but I'm inspired by all different types of artists, some um, different types of mural artists. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm inspired by every, every <laughs> type of art that I see. <laughs> George, do you have a medium and an artist that kind of you always go back to? Yeah, I'd say the one artist that gave me the most permission and I'd say favorite artist is um, Romare Bearden. And also just because mixed media. And that's the thing. It's like mixed media is just like everybody's like, well, what is the mixed media? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just grabbing whatever the hell's around, you know, coffee cups, acrylic, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, I mean, Cornea. it's like I say if you go to if you go to George's uh, Instagram too, like the 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 breadth of the portfolio is astounding. I mean, your work, both of you have like such an amazing body of work uh, to look at. So I'm gonna in the credits after this, I'm gonna record, I'm gonna direct people to your sites just so people can see what we're talking about here, the the the, the wide range of uh, um, works to take a look at. Sorry, Amy. No, no, no. The only thing I was gonna bring up too, you know, Courtney brought up. I have it in my notes, and I was like, do I bring up my what is turning into loathing of like social media um, or, you know, so like that. To, so as a public official, I have to just post something and then I turn off comments and notifications and then I go back to it when I can answer the questions. And even for this project, I'm going to give you an example. We posted looking for, you know, public project looking for um looking for artists. And then, you know, the comments ranged from wonderful, we love this, to how are you paying them, to we hate you, whatever it was. Um, and so I just wonder, like, as a public official, I have a very complicated relationship with social media, because the, the question inevitably is, am I going to respond to every single person and engage in this argument? Or am I just going to apply or don't apply? I don't care what you do. Um, and these questions will answer, you know, you know, as, as the project unfolds. So in terms of both of you being artists, like, is it, is it a necessary evil? Is it something you've mastered that you can teach me that I'm not infuriated every time I go on? Um, just talk to me about social media and, and maybe you, Courtney, because you're, you, there is no question. You've just grown up with it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, social media has its pros and cons, obviously, um, I try to keep, so I separate like my social media between like a personal account and an art account. So I don't want like 
anything on my feed that's not art. I like to surround myself with just art. So I don't want like people to get offended if I don't like follow them back, but I only want my feed to be art because that's what inspires me. So with that, it's a place where I can log on, get inspired by other artists and then grow my business through my art account. And then my personal account is different. I don't like go on that as much, but that's more of like a just like a fun thing that I, I post. But like for me, my art account is more of like a business that I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow followers. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to eventually get like a shop on there. Um and it's a great way to connect with people. I've had people um like message me for commissions or um how do I how do I buy this piece? How do I buy this print? This and that. And it, like that is how a lot of artists make their money is through social media. So it definitely has its pros and cons, but I think that like social media is important for today and to grow, like, especially a business. Um, I don't, I've tried TikTok. Um, I don't know if I'm too old for that, but I get taken down all the time because I meet a lot of nude people. So I get banned from TikTok and I can't help it. So <laughs> I don't bother with it anymore. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think like Instagram is like my biggest like social media. Not like huge on Facebook, um, but I'm gonna try. Instagram to- seems to be best for artists, at least in my experience. I don't know if it's the yeah. filters, but right, George. Like I, I feel like I totally get being able to cure curate your Instagram account to art. But that's the thing, like, like as being someone who's from originally the music world, who wanted to be a musician but wound up becoming an artist. Um, like I missed the visceral immediacy, like the, this sort of Dionysian hit of of the immediacy of music. <laughs> Whereas like Instagram does that. And, you know, like I'm from a whole DIY kind of world and everything and, you know, grew up without the internet. And then, uh, you know, when I got out of school, the internet was in its infancy and we were like, oh, okay, we'll just start using this computer. And our teachers were like, we didn't think anyone could make a career like, how are you doing it? They're like, well, there's this thing called the computer that we don't know how to use it, but we tell everybody we do and we're just using it. So I kind of like each sort of iteration of it getting better and better. Like I was using the internet when there was no, it was just text. And I remember I went up to Sony music and they're like, the internet has color now. Like, like, you know, and then we can post with color. So we want you to do websites. I'm like, what's a website? You know, it's insane. So I see like all the social media stuff. It, it's to me like we would publish zines and just send them out and put them out into the world. And the idea was be really into what you're doing and get it out into the world any way possible. Eventually, somebody with money, if it's any good, is going to see it and pay you for it. So that's been like the whole ethos. And I think that's the thing that I'm seeing on the internet too. It's just like, all these artists just put it out there just any way possible. And it's such a great means of getting it out there. But to your point about like the haters and everything, it's just like, I've always had a lot of empathy for them and I listen and they just kind of want to be heard. Like I had this one girl come up to me. She's like, I hate this project, you know, that you're working on. I hate everything about it. I don't want what's coming with gentrification and all this stuff. She goes, but my sister, she's, she needs this project because, you know, she's, she's in a wheelchair and she's going to need all this access and all this stuff. And, and, you know, it's just this great sort of dialogue. Like you have to have the pushback, you have to have the haters, but like, if, like I said, if we're 
even for a moment, somebody has this moment of thoughtful reflection and dialogue that can be helpful as, you know, a, a fixed pothole, as I see it. All right. We have to start to wrap up, Joe, because now we're after 11. I feel like yeah. we could have done a lot long. You know, we should have. We didn't. It's a good sign. We can keep going without yeah. noticing too much. But I don't want to. Yeah, we have to wrap up. But wait, so have you guys nixed the assless chaps question? Well, we do would you, love do it. Do you have want... a pair, George? Well, you Are know, you is it show us a pair? This is one of these things where it always drove me crazy because, you know, I've had friends, you know, from that world and also just being involved in subcultures and all this stuff. And everybody's like, it, it, it's like, it's like, it's self-evident. Chaps are assless. But I, the, my, my favorite assless chaps moment was I have um, costume models in my class and I never know what I'm going to get. And this guy shows up with chaps and I, he's just like, what do you want me to do? You know, he, he, he's putting together his costume. I'm like, it's, it's up to you, man. Anything goes. Just create an experience and everything. So he leaves the room and he comes in with these pink chaps and these, this pink bikini. And it's got two handprints on it and two wooden guns. And he's just walking around my classroom, <laughs> jumping on desks, like shooting people. My students are like, what do we do, Bates? I'm like, yes, what do you do? And it was amazing. <laughs> too funny that was um, a, that was a great one. i have to say one thing before we end you you can give a, a budding artist a, a like 12 13 year old budding artist one 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 piece of advice what is it um i guess i'll go first but um i mean if you truly have like a passion for art and want to make it a career for yourself it is a hundred percent possible um, I know like that was the biggest challenge that I had to overcome, like, um, in high school, like, do I go to college for art? Do I take this seriously or should I just go a safe route? And if, if you really want to be an artist and are excited about it and have a passion for it, you will make it happen. And it is completely possible. So for anyone that's trying to decide if they want to be an artist or not, you you should. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, I have a lot of guiding stars and I, I don't know how you can evolve as an artist without having these guiding stars, which will change over time. But this idea, like for me, the guiding ethos has always been water seeks its own level and it's a right time, right place, right project, right committee. But if you're genuinely interested in what you are doing, you will find others who are genuinely interested in what you are doing and what they are doing and water seeks its own level. And, and like, this goes back to this idea that like, it was a natural kind of fit for us to move down here. You know, I was just like, it, we just, it felt, it felt like home again, you know? But I want to throw one thing in both cases, art is work, right? You just don't, it's not, you have to hone a talent. You just don't have, there's, there's a vague sense of artists like they just show up and pour their heart out on the canvas. It comes out perfect, right? You have to like work on being better at what you do, right? So it's not I, easy. It's not easy. I, I play guitar and sometimes people, it's like, well, Jimi Hendrix, he, you know, he was a natural talent. No, Jimi Hendrix probably played every day for years before he, you know, he played backup. He was a you know rhythm guitar player in all these bands. He didn't just show up one day and he's like, I'm just going to you know, whip out Purple Haze. You got to work at your craft, right? It's a lot of work. Uh, you know, in t investment in time to get better at what you do, right? That's why the pandemic was great. 
it was like a dream come true. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't have to go to parties. I didn't want to go to because I was on a deadline and everything. And that's the thing. It's just like, I was on a podcast and they're like, well, don't you find that, you know, what you do therapeutic? I'm like, no, it's hell. It's, it's work. It's really difficult. But at the same time, it's just like, it's a better job than most, you know, if you can get it. But yeah, of course there are moments where I guess Picasso always said like the beginning of a painting and the end of a painting are the best times. The middle is just, you're in the trenches. I've had clients say like, well, good luck in the trenches with it. The trenches, that's the metaphor you're using. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. It's the trenches. Yeah. And that's why, like I said, getting together with other artists and talking about this stuff, it's like, it's not therapy, man. It's work. Listen, thank you guys so much for, for being on this podcast. Thanks, guys. If you would like to view the artwork of our guests today, you can find them both on Instagram. Courtney Pastor Chick can be found at Courtney underscore makes underscore art. And George Bates can be found at Bates underscore George. On a programming note, if there is somebody you would like Amy and I to interview for future episodes of Asbury Pod, shoot me an email with your suggestion at joewalsh456 at gmail. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.